2: them ropes jeff hawkins chris novembrino no sponsor this week because it's a holiday week so you know we can uh we can say all the terrible things that have been on our mind
1: finally <laughs> i can be real with the people i feel like i have been <laughs> holding back for so long i feel i feel like i'm uh unchained and i'm hitting the ground running
2: <laughs> weird sense of ennui from me on uh on thanksgiving night chris because that's tryptophan I didn't have turkey. I had, I had hot dogs for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> now I understand the ennui. I'm sad. I now have this ennui. No, is no, it contagious?
2: No, no, it, no it, <laughs> it has hot to do with... Hot dog
1: Thanksgiving.
2: Well, uh, here, here's why. And and it, it had nothing... It, it was more situational than anything. The, the Thursday night football game, which is... More or less a, a recent uh, innovation. I think it's only been around like 15 years, I think. I um, think that's
1: right, yeah. That
2: that third, the third game on Thanksgiving, which I, I believe the first one was Cardinals-Bengals because they weren't sure if they were going to get ratings, uh, <laughs> which tells you all you need to know about... Uh... <laughs> hey, c- c- Cincinnati still has a
1: football team.
2: Uh, more or less. Um... Interesting. Cool. <laughs> But th- it was canceled because of COVID because uh, it was going to be the Steelers and the Ravens, and the Ravens have had an outbreak of a positive COVID test to the point where even the even the game being rescheduled the Sunday is not going to work. It's now going to be on Tuesday.
1: I I'll tell you too with football, just the way the game is played. Uh, yeah. you know, once the dam breaks, it's uh, you know like it, it's it's kind of like the Titanic. You're you're, you're y- in
2: close quarters, especially yeah. if you're on the line or in a formation and. In a training room and in rooms watching tape all the time, yeah. The
1: locker room, I, you know, those guys, I guess, would have to get padded up and everything in a separate, or not play at all. But then you have to go and sterilize the whole lock. It's just really complicated once the dam breaks. If you're, but, and they're not really doing a bubble, are they?
2: Um, they're trying, but you know, they will like somebody. Some player will go home and they'll get it, and then they just come back to the facility, and it doesn't matter how kind, what kind of lockdown you have. If one person gets it, that's going to spread quick.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: But Thursday night in my early teens and and a little earlier even, I, I'd say till you know, when I first started re- watching wrestling, you know, up until I, I'd say the middle of college, Thanksgiving night was a big wrestling night. And I'm going to plug, uh, you may have to scroll a bit for it, but uh, Dave Meltzer's history of wrestling on Thanksgiving night that he reposts every year is fantastic, and I was just like, I'm I'm sitting there with nothing to watch, and I'm just like, okay, you know, should I put on a Starcade from a Thanksgiving night? Should I put on a Survivor Series for a Thanksgiving night? So, so I actually watched something I had never watched before. I watched uh, the 1992 Smoky Mountain Wrestling Thanksgiving Thunder which was, it, it, you know, it, it's a one match show, pretty much the uh, main event, a street f- Knoxville. I believe it's a Knoxville street fight. But it was a street fight between the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies, the uh, the Tom Pritchard, Stan Lane version of the Heavenly Bodies. And it was a, it was a lot of fun. And I had never seen it before, but it's just it's one of those things where it's like, Wow, it feels like the old days right now with no football on a Thursday night. I really, uh, I kind of dug it to be honest with you.
1: It's interesting that you bring that up because obviously we're going to talk about uh, our ice cold Survivor Series takes here, and part of the reason why Survivor Series is such an ice cold show, and like that's my top line take on you know the thirty years of Undertaker and everything is you, what you are seeing here is the weird like, death of Survivor Series in a way. It, it, because, like, it's not even happening on Thanksgiving. It's happening before Thanksgiving. The Undertaker, who debuted at Survivor Series, is retiring. The matches are no longer any sort of stakes. You know, you and I have reduced it down to what we call laundry wars. Like, like everything about the show is divorced from the Thanksgiving component. Um, And it's even just... Even the
2: five-on-five five doesn't matter anymore because... Right. Because it used to be a special thing to see, oh, man, name guys versus name guys. Because all you'd get is like two hours a week of squash matches. So you, and, and a TV main event. So even this, you know, and this is, of course, one of the quote unquote big four. It was, I think, the last of the four. No, I think Royal Rumble was the last of the four, but it's moved up in, in stakes. But it used to be you'd have four pay-per-views a year and Survivor Series was one of them. And was a special deal to see these types of, you know, it's basically tag team war games type of thing going on with with Survivor Series. And, And now it's just, you know, since you see good matches every week, it's reduced the need for Survivor Series.
1: Yeah, I mean, that—that that is part of it, too. It's like, you know, you watch SmackDown this week. Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan, that level of work, you just wouldn't have gotten that. No. On older television, on, like, mid-build, like, nowhere. Like, that level of work that was in that match just simply would not have been in, quote-unquote, the good old days weekly television. What it would have been is, like, Mr. Perfect, unless he was involved in an angle at that time, on a series of squash matches every week because he's on the Survivor Series team. We need to make sure Perfect looks strong, and he's just going to go out there and he's going to squash everybody for the next four weeks until we get to Survivor Series, and then maybe we'll have something for him after that. Um, You know, there's a lot of like holding pattern style booking in the old style, but that built up the big shows. And the other thing that I, I I'm sort of trying to illustrate here is that like. I think it gets to the bigger issue of wrestling getting decoupled from American culture, and that tracking with a decline in ratings and just the you know the the way people engage with the modern product. Um, when people think about wrestling, they still go back to the old tropes from the '90s and the '80s, Ric Flairs and the Macho Man, Randy Savages, and that sort of thing. And that's in an era where wrestling was more part of, like, the rhythm of American life. We were watching more TV, too. And that's part of what's changing it. But, like, I do think something is linked to the loss of, like, wrestling on Thanksgiving. Um, WWE not having, like, halftime heat, which, like, even if, if you didn't think that halftime heat match was very good, the fact that you had something WWF-related linked to the biggest television event of the year— um, I think didn't halftime heat that one with uh, mankind and uh, the rock didn't that do pretty good ratings?
2: Yeah, it did. Yeah,
1: yeah. So like stuff like that gets wrestling linked to American life, and then the transition is people then watch the product and they want to see what these people are up to.
2: Yeah, they tried that a couple years ago with uh, NXT. They had like a they had like a almost a Survivor Series type of match multi-person tag match on nxt i think that it was on the uh on the network i can't remember if it was on the network or on usa i think it was on the network where you had to go I mean, to the it's WWE. it's like
1: nxt especially in that era is like the really good indie mm-hmm. rock of professional yeah. wrestling and it was so a like a good
2: match yeah
1: yeah yeah it's just it's like really good indie rock is not what you expect to see at the super bowl halftime show right like you expect to see big pop creed maybe you too uh c- creed if you lived 20 years ago up with people uh- <laughs> uh, up with people i have timely references jeff
2: i don't <laughs> no yeah uh but the 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 uh the Janet Jackson Justin Timberlake one um yeah you know i i i agree with 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 everything you said there there's nothing i can uh, add to it so i'll go into the news uh speaking of nostalgia in a way, Bob Ryder passed away, longtime TNA employee. Um from my fandom. Uh I was on Prodigy in the early 90s, and he was the guy he was the moderator of the wrestling section there. Also famous for a wrestling topic called wrestling with smarts, with one Dave Lagana, who used to be with the NWA, and how I met those guys, but uh Bob and I had a lot of interaction on Prodigy. We had a lot of interaction on Rec Sport Pro Wrestling back in the early '90s, and he took his took his kind of presence on there and and uh, started helping out with Dave Shearer's Wrestling Lariat newsletter at the time. Got in good with ECW um and then eventually formed a website called 1wrestling.com which was a progenitor with uh, I believe Raja and SE Scoops and 411 in the early aughts at, as, and late 90s as a uh as a news site um what we'd call clickbait these days but it was you know a news aggregator at the time um Bob also one of the forefathers of wrestling podcasting. And that's another reason to pay respect. He was one of the guys who had that WCW live uh, audio show. Him and uh, Chad Damiani, who I've become friends with since he's moved out here and uh, started going in improv circles. But, uh, you know, he had an audio show on, on the WCW website, the very early version, I believe, maybe even on CompuServe. I'm not positive on that one. Or maybe it was through Prodigy, but uh, passing away of cancer at the age of 64, just a force in Internet wrestling. And neither, you know, all these podcasts, if they're not if they're not at least tipping the cap, uh, they should because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Bob Ryder, to be honest with you.
1: It was all I could do. And a real testament to my respect for Bob Ryder that I didn't start making dial up noises the second you said <laughs> prodigy, because it was it required a tremendous amount of self-control for me to not go
2: squeewoo
1: oh. as you were doing that hole in memory.
2: I could tell you stories of my mother yelling at me when she tried to pick up the phone and she heard me. On the line. Could you get off the effing computer? She never she would never cuss, but
1: uh. I, I liked the old school ANO or AOL scam they'd give you the free disk and you'd put it into your CD-ROM drive and it would allow you to install AOL but you'd get on and you'd get quote unquote free hours of the internet but you'd spend endless amounts of time downloading all the graphics for every single web page so by the end of your free trial you'd maybe seen 3 pages in the internet
2: shout out to the 2400 bod modem uh other news Xavier Woods has been officially uh announced as a host for the resurrected G4 network which is coming back and this is interesting because it's not Austin Creed it's Xavier Woods
1: oh oh which i thought it was i thought it was as austin creed it was
2: originally austin creed when he was uh. when he was campaigning for the hosting gig and now it was announced as, I believe he was announced as Austin, quote, unquote, Xavier Woods Creed, but, or he was just announced as Xavier Woods. But this, to me, is fascinating because, look, I'm no lawyer, but I've played one on TV. It's, this, if, if I am one of these female talents from Twitch, there's at least the possibility of a lawsuit here. I don't. Uh, yeah, at the least, yeah. it's at the least it's favoritism, which isn't a lawsuit worthy. But if so you wanted I would to want extend to know, it to equal protection, there's a possibility of that. I think.
1: I think so. I would want to know the nature of the conversation that the New Day guys had with Vince when all this stuff with Zelina Vega was going down. If you remember, like when we were doing the news segment, then one of the reports is that the New Day guys went and met with Vince about Twitch streaming and all those sorts of things, and the impression we got was that they were doing it kind of on behalf of the talent. It might very well have been that Xavier Woods was fairly along in this deal and wanted to make sure that he protected his egg.
2: Well, uh, yeah, and, and the flip side of that is when, when Up, Up, Down, Down started to really get traction,
1: and it, it has was, major traction, too. So, yeah. like, I, I, get, I mean, like, to make it clear, I get why Woods was thinking much bigger than WWE at this point.
2: Well, they originally wanted to shut it down, if I recall correctly. And then eventually the network picked it up as part of their product that they would put on the network, along with the New Day's podcast and whatnot. I think the New Day gets, has an exception. In their contracts or something, because they are, for lack of a better term, they're made guys and they're not made guys. And the New Day has proven themselves to be a cash cow. So they get the special, you know, they get the special treatment as opposed to, say, a Long Island Ice-Z YouTube channel by <laughs> by Zack Ryder, who's no longer with the company. You know, I, I I do think, I think there are rules for some people and rule, not rules for others. Let's put it that
1: no, I think that's a reasonable read on the situation as well. Um but I'm
2: gonna be interested to see if Xavier actually if he if this is kind of see, I don't I don't know how far reaching the G four network will be, or if it's just gonna be a YouTube channel, or if it's gonna be on terrestrial cable as it once was. So depending on the money, I mean Xavier Woods is not a I mean, he's young compared to me. But he's not young in wrestling, per se, and the bump card has some punches in it. I, I would be very interested to see if this was a way out for Xavier Woods as well.
1: Well, yeah, I've always viewed the building out of the gaming brand over the last you know five years here to be step two in what Xavier Woods views as his career, which is, I mean, get it right down to delaying some of the WWE stuff earlier on in his career to finish up his doctorate. The guy's always had a longer-term sense of what his career path is, and it's one of the things I really admire about him. Um, And and he's, you know, is thinking about, you know, how many more New Day versus the Street Profit matches can there be? I mean, it's... Not hard to realize, given the way WWE's booking patterns are in the modern era. When you have more or less hit the ceiling of what is going to be done with you in WWE world. And the New Day has hit that. So long as they're selling merch, it makes sense for them to be still there. But, um, you know, if, if they are not selling merch, or um, if now they can go and do G G4 stuff. I mean, like if you could make the exact same money and not fall on your head occasionally, you're going to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which, you know,
1: I mean, if you can make 80% of the same money and not have to take a steel chair shot occasionally, you're probably going to do that.
2: Yeah. Exhibit B is, is Sasha Banks changing her Twitter profile to be Mercedes Vernado based on the fame she's getting now from the Mandalorian, which I'm sure You know, even if this run is about keeping Sasha happy, now she has leverage because people, I mean, she has a bigger fan base now than she ever did.
1: The one thing that gave Vince leverage over Brock is that Brock didn't like getting hit in the face, but his other job, UFC, made him more likely to get hit in the face. And he (laughs) liked getting hit in the face there even less than his original (laughs) job.
2: Yeah, well, but the money was better over there too. No, you know, no, to I know, but face. he
1: hated getting hit in the face. What well, my point here, Jeff, is that getting Did you, hit hold in on. The are fa- there
2: people who like getting hit, get hit in the face? I mean, I yeah, guess For so, money, uh,
1: uh, let, let me tell you about a man named Mick Foley. That's uh, true. I, I yeah, do like yeah. getting
2: hit, like on football and stuff. So yeah, I, I yeah, or that.
1: even Big Van Vader. Uh, you yeah. know, like yeah, like there there are dudes who definitely like enjoy that <laughs> for sure. Like and 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 we love them. Um, but a lot of these people, you know, have let's say an ambivalence towards it. Uh, they they don't dislike taking the bumps, but they also aren't, like, sitting there and jonesing for it. Give Turn me more, ons. Give me more. Poetry.
2: Walks on the beach getting hit in the face. Turn-offs. Mean people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We- right.
1: Right. Exactly. No, most people. So, my point here is that, like, yeah, uh, I think, it would you take a 25% pay cut to not take a steel chair to the back of the head again? I don't know. If you've taken enough steel chair shots to the head and you're starting to have some neck damage pile on, Probably
2: very quietly the WWE has settled a multitude of different lawsuits regarding securities fraud and insider trading related to Saudi Arabia the Middle East TV deal and August, and the October 31st 2019 Crown Jewel show and the alleged hostage situation the the uh alleged s- well yes uh credit to the <laughs> wrestling observer for this text uh the uh settlement was for 39 million dollars uh this was settled on 1118 and it looks like insurance carriers will be the one's paying the bill. this is interesting because it kind of goes against most WWE legal mindset, which is to drag things out until plaintiffs relent and want to settle. And this is the largest uh, this is the largest uh, settlement since the Owen Hart death lawsuit. I think the best take on this, again, credit to somebody else, was Todd Martin, an actual attorney who uh, has not played one on television, <laughs> who who said basically that he thinks the reason that WWE settled was fear of discovery and what would come out of that. There's a lot about uh, statements about a TV deal in the Middle East that may have been uh, not true and deceptive and other things about the entire... Hostage situation. Who knew what and where? I A lot you know, of
1: liability issues there for sure. Yeah, we t-
2: we talked about this. There was somebody who was on the plane at the time who was going to testify in court. That would have been interesting. It was either going to be one of Anderson and Gallows or FTR, according to rumors. Um. So, yeah, we talked about that on the, on this show. Uh, any other thoughts on this, Chris?
1: Well, I mean, you know, there's still kind of open questions about how the hell that <laughs> Arya Davari Mansour, weird Saudi Arabia, anti-Iranian propaganda scene thing happened uh, oh, at the first right. Saudi and Arabia you- show. And I, I mean, like, I'll, I'm telling you this, Jeff, I don't believe that Vince McMahon sat back there and was like we need to do with a Saudi Arabia, Iran angle. Like someone fed that to them. Um, and yet like getting back to the discovery thing. Uh, oh, but
2: that was, that was the first crown jewel.
1: That wasn't the same one. as. That the wasn't hostage. the same
2: one. No, but, but Jeez, on that one, this has it has been just, a very
1: bad relationship. They
2: just wanted the cheap heat. That was all wrestling. That was, that was, I don't know.
1: I don't think that that was purely wrestling. I don't think the we're making Saudi Arabia's like national hero. We're doing the whole Saudi Arabia talent. I know. I I think that that was in conjunction with the Saudi government because they also ran yes. pro Saudi Arabian yes. advertisements and yes. stuff. Yeah, during yeah but, no but that
2: was but but that but I believe they, they may have floated. The, yeah, I I don't know. That was <laughs> that was whew. I remember that and that was just oh what are you doing?
1: <laughs> this is this has been a horrible relationship. Uh I, I'm like, do they have any more of these shows planned in the works here?
2: They're contracted to do shows, I believe they had a twenty year contract. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. It was like a really long time, right? Yeah. <sighs> Vince they didn't has do gotta one, be thinking about do how one to this get
2: November. out. They yeah. did one, I believe. They did one earlier in the year. No, or no, they haven't done a show since then. But
1: oh, uh, uh, the WWE election special live from Saudi Arabia would have been one heck of a show.
2: Well, there's a weird, there's a weird thing about payment, and and whether or not d- that I think that's the crux of the discovery thing too is whether or not WWE was so mad about payment that they cut something, or they there there was there was some issue about. We haven't been paid yet, so we're not going to give you this, and that's why the whole hostage situation happened in the first place. Not a hostage situation, according to everybody else, but uh, the people involved. But uh,
1: you know. the people stuck on the airplane felt like they weren't getting off of the airplane. Put this
2: way: the people who got out don't think it was a hostage situation.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and then there are the other people who didn't get <laughs> stuck everybody on the else airplane.
2: Does yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh billy corgan's nwa announced a new weekly show on tuesdays at seven called nwa showcase the show will be taped at thunder studios out here in los angeles in conjunction with the weekly tuesday night uwn shows which are on pay-per-view we will not be covering that i believe our nwa coverage on shake them ropes is pretty much dead except for anything having to do with aew chris
1: yeah, I mean, I may keep an eye on it and if the product heats up, uh it, it yeah. would be something that might get back into the purview. The same way that like when AEW heated up sufficiently, like we have a fairly low bar here on this show of what Just up. Just entertain us. Just Yeah, entertain like, us. I mean like if you if you think about like you know, AEW, we I mean, we've done NXT UK, we've done NWA Power, you know, like it it if a product heats up. We'll talk about it. Um, But, you know, also like NWA has had fits and starts. Um, They, the talent share, I like, getting back to this, the talent share relationship <laughs> with AEW has been really smart because like now if NWA is going to have any hope with this relaunch of this new product, it's in no small part due to the generative relationship that they've had with AE, AEW for the last several months here and having guys like Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston be... Key parts of AEW's product uh, is good for NWA.
2: Legendary enhancement talent Dwayne Gill suffered a heart attack on 1125. Keep him in your prayers. Uh, Fightful learned that Arturo Huas sustained an arm injury on last week's episode of NXT in his match with Kushida. Huas filmed some additional content for WWE Digital but didn't end up making the air. Uh, When they asked about their status on Raw, they were told that sidelining Raw Underground set the stage for his NXT return, and his NXT appearance was not scheduled to be a one-off as there were creative plans for him moving forward in NXT. That's a shame. I love that guy.
1: No, I'm a big fan. I think it makes all the sense in the world that there were greater plans for him um, because of the promotional package. I mean, like, they gave him this tagline of total destruction. Like, you don't... Yes, we were joking about how, you know, total destruction he loses this match against Tsushida. But the clear indication there is that this guy is going to get important and meaningful wins here, you know, on, on the way to mid card success.
2: Okay. But gosh, we've gone that long. Uh, <laughs> that was a half hour preamble now into the actual wrestling. Uh, ice Cold Survivor Series takes. I'll give mine and then I will uh, give you the floor, Chris. Uh, this was a 50-50 show at best. Um, things I liked. I liked the New Day uh, Street Profits match. It felt old school where they were working on Montez Ford's core. I liked watching the New Day work heel even so slightly. I thought that was a nice little uh, nice little nostalgia piece right there. Um, I liked but didn't love the Sasha Asuka match. And I liked but didn't love the... Uh, the main event. Everything else wasn't very good, I didn't think. Um, and but it was, spe- like,
1: predictably not good. It's like yes. You, you, you knew that these matches weren't going to be great going into them. So, you know, like, the five-on-fives, the five they just are what they are.
2: Yeah, and the women's match especially. Because that was the one that needed to make a star, and it didn't on multiple fronts and the logic in it was just so baffling to me because the one person who would have come out of that thing looking like, uh, uh, in terms of the actual results, the one person who should have come out of there looking better than she did was Peyton Royce who pinned Bailey, the longest reigning SmackDown women's champion clean as a sheet with her finisher. And then like 30 seconds later was eliminated by Natty of all people. and, if we get into main roster talk, the need to protect Natty is baffling to me. Yeah, I, I don't understand it at all, but they continue to do it to give her credence in the SmackDown Women's Division.
1: She's a fixed price asset, though. like she yes. is what she is. Wins and losses make no difference. If you needed to heat her up, you could, but like, you can't feed her enough losses. I mean, you could for a year and a half and make her like a punchline, but, but they like, never
2: heat her up to the point where she's like, having a twenty-minute classic with Bailey or Sasha. They heat her up so that she can do her three moves, and that's it. That's yeah, a weird that, that's
1: i Yeah, at this point, she's a fixed price. Like, like they're they're not trying to build her. She's not trying to be built. Um, like she is what she is, what she is. We we know what she is. Um, I didn't. The Peyton Royce thing is baffling. Uh, Shayna Baszler in this tag yes. team with Nia Jax. I was going to get into
2: that. Yeah, uh,
1: uh, go uh, ahead he- then.
2: Here, here's the weird thing, is because people were on me about my take that nobody was built from that match because Lana, whose entire gimmick is, she sucks.
1: Oh, That's her on. gimmick. Yeah, she's a punchline. She she is the Leon Ruff of the main roster's women division.
2: Uh Actually, Leon's no, I'm sorry. No, that's, not
1: fair. that's not fair to Leon Ruff. That's because not fair to Ruff. Leon
2: Ruff. No, because yeah.
1: Leon Ruff has a lot more credibility than she ever will.
2: Shayna continues her baffling main roster gimmick of not understanding the rules of professional wrestling. Well, she's DQ'd like a dope. I did kind of like the Ruby Riot pin spot of being knocked out because that's how she's always. that's how Shayna's always pinned is Carafuna uh, Clutch Rollover 1, 2, 3 But she's She's DQ'd like a dope On the 5 count And then Bianca and Nia Have this Weirdly staged Double count out Because God knows we need to Protect Nia Jax And not make Shayna into Or not make uh, Bianca into the Sole survivor Which she should have Been here Bianca Belair Is Money She's a face of the division. She's next generation of the horsewomen in terms of in terms of evolution. Why not make her the star here? Instead, we have to play out the string of this stupid Lana storyline, which we then don't really follow up on on Raw because we now have her in a tag team protected by Asuka and it's just it. it we know that uh, we know they're going to be the tag team champions, and eventually uh, uh, Lana's probably going to turn on Asuka. But nobody was helped by any of this. Lana's sitting there crying on a on a stairway instead of showing actual. <laughs> he, he, I'm legitimately more
1: worried that Lana is going to beat Asuka clean.
2: She is a WWE superstar now in canon, in the story. She is a competent wrestler but her gimmick is she sucks and yeah that and, just and she hurt. and
1: she doesn't ever have competent wrestling matches either right. that right. I mean like like in, in, in reality like like she she doesn't i i I'm sure she's probably a very nice person but she's not even a mid-level wrestler. No, she, she's not. <laughs> she's just not. Um, and the
2: gimmick is she's bad at her job. And, and if you she was
1: her... a great manager too. Yes. So like, I, I don't, I like, I, what you are seeing here with Lana to be 100% clear, lest people think that I just hate this person and have it in for her. What you are seeing is a person criminally miscast in a role. Um, When she could be slotted into a role in wrestling that's actually out by the ring, that is a very good role for her that she would excel at. She is the baseball player who is a natural first baseman being asked to be shortstop. And yeah, they're failing all the time because they can't move. But if you put them at first base where they belong, it wouldn't be a problem.
2: The scrappy underdog story based on losses was done really well once. In modern in the women's division, and that was Bailey at NXT when she was getting beat by everybody, and then she goes, "I'm sick of this, I want to be champion," and on her run, beats Becky, beats Charlotte, and then beats Sasha at NXT, Brooklyn. Lana, being the scrappy underdog, doesn't work because the fans are never going to get behind her talent. They may get behind her story if fans ever come back, but we're never going to know how this story is really working but i somehow doubt it but today's people don't day get and behind age
1: behind the scrappy underdog unless the scrappy underdog has really well worked hard working yes. spots that make us believe that this person the underdog is a damn good wrestler and they're just not getting their fair shake that there's like a systemic injustice against the scrappy underdog who's a hard working person who's good and competent lana never exhibits hard working good competence she goes through tables
2: yeah, he went through nine tables. Yeah,
1: that's that is not the same as Ray Mysterio doing like breathtaking, high flying moves in 1996, um, and then just coming up short against the larger, less athletic schlub of a guy who's just using the fact that he's a bulky dude who is born bulky and isn't really working. Is just basically using their size to like club the person down. Um, Lana is not. Flying through the air around Nia Jax and then Nia Jax is like falling on her. Lana is just getting beaten up.
2: Yeah, and my only other real note is that Undertaker 30th anniversary retirement ceremony. I hate the way WWE does retirements in this fashion. These people
1: meant nothing to him at a certain point. Like the big show coming out to applaud Mark, like why? Why?
2: Well, we, well, they never explain it. They, they, they kind of, they alluded to it when the Godfather came out about the backstage crew. Sure. BSK. But to me, at least even, even with the Ric Flair part, when Ric Flair did this in Orlando on the raw afterwards, everybody it's, it's that it's the criticism we have of the Hardys in WWE. They never get to evolve into anything other than they were when they were 20 Everybody here has to be in the character they're most known for. Nobody ever says anything legitimately heartfelt. You have the Godwins out there in their freaking overalls. You have Kane coming out in his mask. <laughs> I like the Godwins
1: coming out because what's funny to me about that is that the Godwins were not the Godwins. They were really in the picture with the Undertaker. They were part of the Ministry of Darkness and like.
2: If anything, if you're going well, to Midian with, was, one yeah, of them, well, I believe was hurt. Yeah, at the time.
1: That, that's a good point. So,
2: it's just. Do you want Midian coming out naked for the for the retirement I not mean, to be naked,
1: Midian. I want the weird, uh, the the scuzzy looking Midian. I, I was a big fan of Scuzzy Dennis yeah. Knight,
2: and he had the best theme song I think of anybody in the division. Uh yeah, I. But but you you know what I'm saying though? It, it's one of those things like we can never we can never get past high school wearing our varsity jackets. At the time we have to be out there and then the undertaker doesn't really say anything terribly heartfelt. It's all in character. We know where they're waiting for the hall of fame speech, but at the same time, it's one of the problems with WWE in general for me personally is there's never, you can never make the emotional connection because everything is so staged to be so fake and, and over the top. And it's Uh, like,
1: even Vince's speech was just, yes,
2: yes, there wasn't a
1: real thing in it.
2: Like like on, on one of those WWE documentaries when they ask what The Undertaker means to him and he starts getting teared up and he cuts the camera. That was a great moment for Vince McMahon. Why not have that on actual television? Why not have him get, bro- well, I can't because I'm all man and I'm alpha, blah, 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 blah. You, no, just if Undertaker means this much to the company, have him, and means this much to the fans who are going to be sad to see him, go. And your job is to tug on heartstrings. The whole point of professional wrestling in working us is to work our emotions. Let's have that real moment and work our emotions.
1: Oh, yeah, and and there's no realer emotion that Vince is feeling right now than seeing his mortality playing out in front of his eyes in the retirement of... Mark Calloway as the Undertaker, a guy who embodies death, but also signifies a milestone in both Vince's and Mark's life. And Vince's is closer to the finish. Like, there's a lot of real stuff and real emotions that are playing through Vince, and like, we got none of it.
2: Yeah, and we got we got a we got a hologram of Paul Bearer. Much like Tupac at uh, Coachella.
1: And here's the thing I hate about this: if you're gonna do it, it's gotta be like Return of the Jedi, where they come back with like <laughs> that kind of fluorescent <laughs> blue. <laughs> like...
2: I think I tweeted that picture when, when that happened. I tweeted the Jedi picture. Yeah,
1: I I, I I think that's the only appropriate way to use hologram versions of people.
2: And I kind of want to see like the. Jedi. I kind of want to see the Undertaker broken up by that. I would have loved to have seen that. Been a surprise. And just, just, but I, but you know, I I I always loved
1: the Kane and undertaker stuff with the urn and CM punk. Um, even like some of that was kind of tasteless at various points, but like when they got the urn back and they both like, like kind of like did like the tribute to the urn, uh, that was a powerful moment in takers career. I, I, there was just this real opportunity to do something more meaningful here and if you weren't going to do that, or if they weren't going to do that, then they might as well put this earlier in the show. Like, this could have been a good way to kick off the show. It's
2: like selling out a scene. And and I'm going back to my improv roots here. But, like, you're watching something that's really dramatic and really has some meat to it, and then somebody sells it out for a joke. Like somebody farts in the middle of something. That's like really, really heartfelt. And you're really watching somebody do some acting work on a on a comedy stage, and you're like, wow, this is different. And then somebody like just comes in, fart, and then <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> and you're just like, what the no. No, we had something here. Why did you ruin that with your crappy, stupid joke right there? That's what I. Yeah, I, I, the, the only graspable moment like that to me right now, as I'm just trying to think of it, you know, the, you know, the retirement, certain retirements that are unexpected, like Edge and Daniel Bryan, I go back to the Buddy Landell promo about how he wasted his career and he used that uh, to build up a match with HBK for the intercontinental title in Smoky Mountain you have those moments and they were you know hard times was was a real heart i mean you felt the emotion in that after coming back i just feel something people that's all i want i just want people to feel something and it's it,
1: weird that the mark or the mark henry fake retirement speech had more heart in it than the real undertaker retirement speech
2: yeah which was in character. Yes. (laughs) I just, God, you can do a 30. if you don't want to say anything now, don't, but that was just so, so dumb. I'm sorry, and I know you know, and and especially because you're doing it in front of 20 fans at full or at uh, the Amway Center in Orlando or whatever the hell it's called. Okay, that's now. the
1: best part, right? Them having to react to the fake chanting. No, nothing makes this. Thank scene... you,
2: Taker. Yes. Clap, 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 and being piped
1: in. <laughs> and he has to wait for them to die down and everything. I mean, it, it's it's been so great. Oh, if, if he had, this if he had just run. if he
2: had just done the motion of. Please, everybody, be quiet and be seated.
1: <laughs> no, he, touches, he touches his heart and points out to the fans and mouths, "Thank you to them."
2: Yes, just, just you know, hit, hitting the heart and pointing up and all the, yeah, you know, just go, 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 full on selling it to me because I'll take that lie to me, but just make me believe it. That's all I want. That's yeah. You know. I yeah. Any other Survivor Series thoughts? I I have none.
1: Uh yeah. I don't. I don't know that I'm going to. Uh, I don't know that I have any other thoughts. I'm just like scanning real quickly on the card here. I, like Asuka and Sasha was good. Um, there's a happy medium between the match that the Street Profits had. And with uh, the new day and the match, the week prior between the young bucks and FTR that I think equates to good modern tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. That, that's my only, my only kind of thought about the new day match is like that left me wanting a little bit because of the WWE style and the FTR and young bucks match left me wanting a little bit because of the sort of like overindulgent indie style and somewhere yeah. between these two styles
2: is my happy place.
1: Yeah, Exactly
2: yeah because because actually it's weird because the street profits match was more of an old school tag match than the other one
1: yeah yeah but it just had a little bit of the WWE stiffness to it you mm-hmm. know what i mean like they have certain beats and stuff that they do that feel very inorganic but you know, yeah both like both teams
2: have to make the hot tag at the same time and yeah
1: and but but to your point like no there was like limb and body work and like a lot of old school conventions and things that I like. And it's clear that like Dawkins and Montez Ford, obviously Kingston and woods are like fans of wrestling and fans of wrestling's history and like get those kind of conventions and are trying to incorporate as much of them as they can get away with inside of a WWE match.
2: All right. So December on the main roster is placeholder before, before real matches for rumble. And it feels like that. It feels like all these matches that they're leading up to are, are let's wait to see, or let's do something that has smoke and mirrors with the TLC gimmicks. The people that are being put up for title shots are sacrificial for the most part, including Braun Strowman, I think, because I think Braun Strowman's eventually going to be put there. But you know, I mean, you have you know, you have your Bailey Natty. <laughs> it looks like they're going to put her in they're gonna, That's going to be a three-way. It looks like
0: New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington D.C.
2: And uh, the new day for the tag titles with dissension already starting amongst uh, amongst them. You're probably gonna have Ziggler and Rude on the on the SmackDown side. You're gonna have Kevin Owens challenging Roman Reigns, and he's sacrificial. You're gonna have Sami Zayn. Uh, you know, being fed to somebody probably in some way. And yeah, it's interesting. Out the Sammy
1: Zayn Daniel Bryan one might actually be the only real title change that happens at that show.
2: Yeah, but they're playing the Sammy Toroyano thing hard, right. so I could I know, I, know, I know.
1: Yeah, he might keep banana peel winning. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Boy, that or no, it's actually gonna be Big E. I think. I don't think it's gonna be Daniel oh, Bryan. That
1: that is true. And I could totally see Big E. Well, actually, see, I could see Biggie beating Sami. Yes, Zang. I could yeah. too. I yeah. think that's
2: gonna be your one title change, but yeah. it's gonna be a lot of you know. You're gonna have Carmella and Sasha, uh, you know, which could be better than expected. I think. You
1: yeah, um, know, Carmella's like she's, she's sneaky, sneaky, not bad. Yeah, times. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, 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 I'm I won't say she's
2: great. I will no. never say that she's a great wrestler. But there, there were matches in in she that run it. with James with James Ellsworth where she was sneaky better than people gave her credit for
1: yeah no she's a, she's a good ring presence I love her so much as a heel she really is mm-hmm. a good heel um I mean she's actually not a bad baby face either but like she's always really found her stride as a heel and I don't know how I feel about this particular character but we'll see we'll see like if she's made some tweaks to the offensive style and if her and Sasha are really on the same page this could get her off on a good foot
2: Yeah, and uh, the sneaky best comedy uh, in wrestling right now, at least the past few weeks, is the meta character of Billy Kay being an out of work actress in the company that makes movies. I know they don't. I know they don't go hard into that. And the reason why it's weird because everybody goes, "Why do people like this so much?" I go because it's good comedy and it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, it it doesn't overstay its welcome. And it's yeah.
1: also grounded in a reality that, like, people actually understand, which is the weird, sad desperation of having to get your resume out there on the job <laughs> market. And, like, the the humiliating part of, like, you, you go on to Indeed and you submit your resume and there's 75 other applicants. And, you know, like, and it's even worse if you ever get involved in acting because you have to have your head shot. And, like, your entire life, everything that you've done, in 30 years, 30 spins over, around the sun is summed up in one photograph of you usually in black and white and then uh, like blurbs that are written in bullet point form on the back of your headshot and kudos
2: to the writer who came up with the line i have a long history of talking
1: talking no that that was a very funny (laughs) line. that
2: killed me i don't know it's it's so perfect in its simplicity i have a long history of talking so if you need words let me know (laughs) Uh, anything from the main roster you wanted to bring up?
1: Um, let me see if there's anything else on SmackDown that kind of spoke to me. Um, I really liked the Kevin Owens Jey Uso stuff, the uh, the wraparound on SmackDown here. And I thought that it made SmackDown like, look, obviously these are all placeholder angles. That doesn't mean that these shows have to be unwatchable, and like this SmackDown was a very watchable Smackdown. Um, it was
2: watchable. I am I am not feeling the Jey Uso part of the angle
1: no here's why because it is roman reigns and jay uso has very quickly devolved into seth rollins and the disciple only instead of like a fake religion it's like a fake family dynamic
2: yeah and and it's one of those things where it's the abuse of because i thought jay had bought in and i thought he had gotten the rub from roman at the end of survivor series and then it's like the next night, it's it, or the next SmackDown, it's back to you haven't proven yourself to the family yet.
1: I like Jay's presentation as a killer. And they have done they did a really good job for a while of building him up to true upper mid-card legitimacy. Uh, but what is happening now is, like, he's getting a little too overexposed as the attack dog, which actually kind of does this effect of, like, moving him down a little bit. And now he's like, a
2: flunky more than a killer. And,
1: and Roman has cut him down so much that yes. he's turned him into a flunky. Um it wouldn't have even been bad if Owens did what he did to Jay Uso, if Roman's disposition towards Jay and the way he viewed Jay was with greater legitimacy. Like if Roman was aghast that he saw Jay get dismantled because, like, Roman actually believed Jay was going to get the job done. That actually adds to the impact of Kevin Owens attacking Jay Uso. Whereas Roman has really put out in the air that Jay's the F-up. And when you put that out there, like, the viewers believe that, and then it sort of makes it expected that people should beat Jay. Whereas if Roman believed that he had... Infuse jay with a new killer instinct and we had seen jay have recent success we would believe that jay had a new killer instinct and it would make kevin owens going over the top on jay and going full fight owens fight on jay uso be that much more impactful
2: yeah if roman is michael corleone i want jay to either be Al Neri or Sonny Corleone. I don't want him to be Fredo.
1: Right, yeah, and you're definitely Fredoing him up right now in a yes. way that's completely unneeded.
2: Yes. Uh, Godfather reference for those of you who don't... Uh, some of the younger viewers may not have seen the classic Godfather. I know that's hard to believe, Chris, but, you know, I, I go with that. But, yeah, I want him to be a competent enforcer for the tribe. I don't want him to be... <laughs> I don't want him to be the stooge. I don't want him to be the red shirt of the tribe. I want to see I want to see some dynamics on this. I want to see some depth to it. I want to see, you know, I want to see where it goes if everybody's a... C- I like competent villains. I think competent villains make heroes better heroes as opposed to... For example, The Miz is... If, if you read comic books, The Miz is that that weird, stupid villain, like... <laughs> Who, who would be an example of a, a villain who's has no fan base? I, I, I go with uh, like uh, for for very expanded Marvel universe. Mad Hatter uh, the, and Batman. Yeah, the Trapster in the Fantastic Four. You know, the, in the Flash, maybe the Turtle, <laughs> as opposed to say Captain Cold. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like he's he's a goofy villain who doesn't get any shine. And it, it's basically an epi- or an issue of the comic, because they're trying to come up with a story for later that'll engage the uh, the readers, and they just needed a break for that month. Yeah, I, I want I want Jay Uso to be Frank Nitty to Al Capone. I want him to be the enforcer. I want him. Yeah, I, I you know, and, and this going to go, to go on longer.
1: Like like there there are missing chapters here, up to and including like a real reckoning with Jimmy, yeah. where. Jimmy tries to reason with Jay and like that should really set off Jay. And like there's just a lot of things that could have been done in the course of this to build up Jay. It feels like we skipped all of those beats at the expense of like kind of greater depth for Roman's character. Roman's now become like like it's his character's almost funny now. I don't I don't quite know how to essentialize it, but there's something about it that has went from like being ominous to being kind of goofy.
2: His logic is so,
0: <laughs>
2: yes, it's, it's delusional is what it is, is he'll go, you know, he, he'll start off on that angry, you know, intense heel thing. And then just, just, and then he goes into conspiracy theories is what it is. It's like, man, if they don't respect you, then you need to speak up and then it'll be, and then, and then the next gear will kick it. In. It's like, and they don't respect you. They don't respect me. If they don't respect me, they don't respect <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then he starts talking
1: about like his sons and stuff, and you're just like, where is all of this my coming kids, from? Yeah, they do yeah, respect yeah, my you're, kids, you're, they don't respect their kids. I don't care if football. your kids don't like you, but my kids are going to like me. I don't want to <laughs> be a bad dad. You need to get out there.
2: And, and, and there should just be that moment of, what the F are you talking about? Right
1: now? <laughs> it's this weird familial like pyramid scheme where if like one block falls out, it all falls apart. You
2: know, the it's domino insult, theory, but with a family. You, they insulted my wife, and if they insulted my wife, that means they don't think she's pretty enough. And they're <laughs> like, "What? Wait, what?" That means that we come? can never have
1: good kids. That
2: means yeah. the rest of this
1: bloodline's completely tainted. You have to go out there.
2: <laughs> you have to fight for my wife's honor. Wait, why did your wife the get into The bloodline's at stake. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's get NXT UK out of the way. Nothing in terms of angles for me. You liked the Commonwealth Cup. I or Heritage Cup. I just again Cup.
1: think that this kind of falls under smackdown of like very yes, it is light, unsubstantial wrestling. I, I, I am aware of that. Like like these angles are nothing burger angles. WWE storytelling sucks. If you accept all of those premises. Often, what you are left with, um, like in the case of SmackDown, is like a really good match between Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. That's actually a very watchable match, and and that's kind of the same way I feel about NXT UK here. Like, for example, Ginny versus Isla Dawn. Nothing to this. I thought Isla Dawn selling at the end of this little squash match with Ginny was really good. She really like got across pain. Um, so if you go in setting the bar low in terms of expectations. I think you're rewarded. If you go in going like this needs to really reinvigorate my youthful love of professional wrestling, like not dude, NXT ain't doing that. Um, the heritage cup, Really good match. Um, I, really I, good match, yeah. but the
2: Heritage Cup means nothing. It means nothing. And that's nothing. my problem. No, I, <laughs> it's,
1: I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I I, I am yes ending it. I'm saying yes, it I means know, I know nothing, you are, and Chris, it was but, very watchable.
2: But it just drives me, it's like, and they will be the prestigious winners of the Heritage Cup. Okay, what does that mean? Do they get title shots? Is it a secondary title? What does this mean for a kid other than being the... Uh, the Darren McGavin in a Christmas story going, it's a major award.
1: No, <laughs> no, the only thing that I wish would have went differently here is if Trent seven had smashed that damn cup over a kid's head and went heel.
2: Oh, like bad news Brown. Yeah, no, no, the... like that. Like, Oh
1: yeah, let me get the cup. And then he just like slams it into a kid. Um, cause it's, it's, I don't go- know.
2: I, 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 I get your look, your logic is sound on that. I just, I it goes back to my statement a couple weeks ago. I just want someone to root for. Yeah, and Trent, no, seven, Trent seven is NXT UK Dusty Rhodes. He's somewhat out of shape.
1: He's in better shape now.
2: Works great. And is an every man that guys can get, behind, everybody can get behind. So I, I am fine with never turning Trent seven. No, even I- though he makes, he's a fantastic heel. I'm Woody with
1: you. I, I, I'm with you. Um, Like, I, I I, understood all of that. I just I think, like, you end the show with a big angle because it does sort of feel ho-hum because we know the Heritage Cup means nothing. That's the other thing is if the tournament means nothing, you're best using the tournament as a forum to start a big angle. Um, And so I would have liked that. Plus, like, I don't know. Uh, NXT UK does need a little bit of a shakeup, and Trent going heel would be – a good shake-up. Oh, you know the other thing I loved... I loved Alexander Wolf going backstage and meeting with Scala. And Scala goes, "Okay." And Wolf demands that the coffee boys, um, in, in those terms, which is very funny. He's like, "The coffee boys need to you stay outside." The Gallus boys, the Gauss boys need to stay out, outside. And Scala goes, "Okay, fine." But Imperium can't be ringside either. And Wolf looks like he had never thought about this. That he didn't like. That this is an outrage. My request
2: wasn't thought all the way through. Hold on. Like,
1: how can at first it's like it's what and he's like ah and like he's it's like going himself. in yeah. it's
2: going in and asking for vacation but they say hey if we're gonna give you this vacation at a very busy time you have to work this holiday what
1: <laughs> yeah it, it, it just never even occurred that there was going to be some sort of trade-off and like yeah no th- that to be very funny um so like look uh, uh, in total uh a, a light show a very watchable show. I also like I love this Jordan Devlin character dude. Um I like I I think Devlin's just an ape. like that he's called the Irish Ace but like he's just got like such attitude and swagger man. And he has you know I'm kind of down on a lot of modern WWE music um but there are some like you know good themes. Um Devlin's got a good one especially that intro dude. Like where the yeah. horn the horns are so like the the heartbeat bop, bop. But but And then the horns come in and stuff. It just gives him a real aura of a world beater. And I'm legitimately intrigued by the unification thing with the Cruiserweight title, even though I know it's a belt that means absolutely nothing. I'm like stoked for whenever Devlin and uh, El Hijo del Fantasma finally touch Santos Escobar.
2: They're not going to have that match God, as I a unification. Would. I, I wish they, they would. would. I wish they would, but I, I think the I think it's gonna probably end up being Devlin and Swerve when they unify it. God yes. I, I you
1: know, I I I know, I, I think you're right, but uh God, I wish they would.
2: Yeah, I, I, I kinda like I, I like the, the, the two guys with the most star potential in the division. Not that I don't like Shane Strickland, Isaiah Swerve, Scott. I just, th- I just think
1: you can turn Devlin slight baby face for the context yes. of that match. It, he's always, whenever they need to turn him slight babyface, especially to fit the, the dynamics of a match because of his build. Um, he just, he lends himself very naturally to that. And you, you want to see this small little like Wolverine
2: just tear the other guy to shreds. And Phantasma has such a, such a presence, uh, Santos Escobar. I, I, I just, I mean, when, when they were doing that video package on NXT, and showing his entrances and stuff. I go, that dude's, that dude's money. That guy's so money. And I, I, I just want, yeah, those two would be my pick. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's run through a few AEW things. Um, I thought it was a very good promo week for AEW in terms of, uh, team Taz had a great one. I thought Tully Blanchard, just Tully smiling is always doom for anybody. Cause when he's happy, you know, it's that evil kind of happy. I thought, moxley had a great promo here and i am happy in tag team terms i'm happy that the butcher and the blade got a win because they have been eating a lot of losses lately in supporting a lot of guys and i am here for the jack evans th2 push into a tag team program with the young bucks i love me some jack evans I think even on that contrived talk show on AEW Dark, he cuts a good promo. Give him the mic for a few weeks and let him build this up. Even though, even though we're not gonna get that, because I think it's gonna be December second. I think it's next week is the blow off, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's it's time to build up old Jackin and Helico again.
1: Yeah, uh, you didn't mention Sheeta and uh, Anna Jay. I liked that match. I-, I thought that that match... The
2: matches were all good this week. Yeah, the, match, yeah, the matches mean, were
1: the all thing. good. Um, the, it, I, I liked the angle with um, Moxley and Kenny Omega. The, I, the Kenny Omega character is being done with so much irony and tongue-in-cheekedness that it's taking away from my ability to really believe that this guy can win the title. Um, like I don't view this as him being built up as like a main event talent. Like this week, I loved the look that he was sporting until it dawned on me that he was actually because I I was like, oh man, he's dressed up like an old school 80s NWA almost Ric Flair style like look. Um, and he looked the part of a main event world champion. And then he started talking and went back to the kind of like goofy cadence thing that Omega does and it dawned on me that he's dressing like that almost ironically and it, and it fits in with the irony of like the dan- the Omega cleaner dancer girls that are like the Nitro girls and like all these other gimmicks and I like that like Moxley clowned on all of that but I I, I just want Moxley to have like a more normal angle against somebody like i like the kingston style feuds way more than i like the mjf and omega style feuds
2: yeah i uh yeah omega i i wanted it 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 almost feels like it almost feels like he's turned into mjf from the uh from the uh presidential campaign type of thing there's a there's a there's that hint of self-awareness you will get I, I, the,
1: the whole I'm a wrestling observer Hall of Fame guy and we're going to have a wrestling match. And, like, yeah, no, there, there's a I lot of mind, echoes I of the MJF stuff. But there's also, to your point, the self-awareness of, like, people say that I don't do wrestling. People say that I do, you know, skits and, like, indie-style stuff and I'm a Hall of Famer.
2: I don't mind the, the name on the marquee says wrestling type of gimmick. And it was just a weird, as opposed to being... As opposed to being kind of intense and saying this is going to be a wrestling match and I'm going to hurt you, oh, it's going to be a wrestling match, da 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 da, da type of thing. It, it, there's a there's an intonation in there that's it's not connecting me, it, it, and and. Look, I, well, I like thought it Omega was doesn't
1: really want to have, I mean, that's part of it. He doesn't really want to have a wrestling match, um, like the on-screen character and like and Omega himself. Um, but like the on-screen character wants to use the wrestling match as a way of taking away Moxley's best weapon.
2: Right. And that's fine. Fu- yeah. And that, that's the whole point. Like to me, I, I mean, the second part of that promo where he comes back and talks about Moxley's father, I, I thought it was a well-intentioned troll. But imagine MJF saying that line versus Omega and think of the heat it would have gotten.
1: Well, it would have worked so much better with MJF because the my dad can beat up your dad thing would be way better if MJF says my dad could sue your dad into oblivion.
2: Yeah, because he um, yeah, has yeah. that whole cornet. Uh, f- you know, I come from a rich family type thing. Whereas,
1: like Kenny's, my dad can beat up your dad thing gets back into that ironic, self-aware, too cute by half, tongue-in-cheek thing that I- I'm having an issue with.
2: Okay, and let's uh, well, let's do two things. Number one, the murder hawk being involved in that last angle, uh, with, with. The Death Triangle and Eddie Kingston's group.
1: Well, you remember the Battle Royal you see, yes. Jeff.
2: Now, is somebody going to come out and even the odds? That's my question. Is somebody going to help Eddie Kingston in this? And who do you think it is?
1: Someone would have to, wouldn't they? Because uh, yes. they, they, need, they need a fourth here. Ooh, Who is going to be the new addition to Eddie Kingston's weird little family? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good point because, uh, you, you're going to need to have someone to spin it off with. I, I thought we were building to pack versus, uh, Eddie Kingston too. So like the insertion of the murder Hawk does sort of confuse things.
2: I think there might be a double turn here in some way. Oh, and, the murder know,
1: Hawk, the murder Hawk turns on the death triangle guys.
2: Well, no, no, no. I was thinking that the death triangle guys go heel on the Kingston crew and then Moxley comes out to help Kingston, but no i don't I don't know I don't it just it that feels would be like, really
1: confused yeah. i know i no, i i'm I'm with you, but like it'd be so weird to go like butcher and blade are the faces yeah that's and, true. And <laughs> that the death triangle guys are all the heels,
2: oh, butcher I can see has a mad baby face no, oh uh, you
1: just lo- you just stand the butcher like like that i that, do that that is just staunch pro butcher bias
2: beefy men that's what I want like that's what I like in my wrestling kids um yeah i yeah, I I just think it's going to be a one-off between Kingston and Murderhawk, and then they go back to their respect. I don't think there's an alliance there or anything. I, I Yeah. Uh, so, actually, I'm going to add a third question. So the second question, which I'm actually adding in now, was it Moxley who beat up Omega?
1: Oh, you mean, uh, was it Omega who beat up Moxley? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say no. I think okay. the the whole point of this was that Omega, Moxley thinks that it was a person that Omega hired. Omega never denied it, but Omega didn't do it either. It's just like within the context of this heel character, he likes the idea that like Moxley thinks that he could kick his ass, so he's not one, he's not going to sit out there and deny it either, but he didn't do it. Um and whoever did it is going to be Moxley's next feud. And this is this is also Sort of the same problem I had with MJF, the MJF feud, which is that they telegraph too clearly where Moxley's going next. And they don't let you really buy into what's going to happen here in this chapter.
2: And for the final question, since next week is the big winter is coming, sort of special event a la NXT doing the Great American Bash on TV, is there a title change before Moxley goes to Japan?
1: Where Omega wins? hmm No.
2: Okay. I tend to agree. I think I think he loses this one. I think I think Omega gets it on the rematch. I don't think he wins it on the first try.
1: Yeah, no, this character's this character is not winning. It's the same way with MJF. If the question is, can MJF or Kenny Omega be the AEW champion? Duh, yes. Um, it's a presentational thing. Are they being presented in such a way where it makes sense for them to receive the the AEW championship and like be the top of the brand person? And in the case of the Omega push, in the case of the MJF push, they were done in a comedy-tinged way that telegraphs, at least to me, with like sort of maybe a more old-school sensibility, but one that I think is just informed from watching a lot of wrestling from the 90s all the way through the 2010s here. Uh, They're being presented in such a way that suggests to me that they are a program for the month, um, but not a title change build right now.
2: And we end with NXT. So, this kind of continued its descent into main rosterville for me on a lot of fronts. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: I, you know, I, I am mostly against doing a ladder match for control of war games because we always know it, unless you're Vince Russo, And, and that was
1: a damn good match too. Yes.
2: That was But a you, you're possibly good knocking out a guy, and you're also taking away from the heat of War Games when you do something this brutal on it, in my is opinion. This is such
1: a good match that now that War Games match has to live up to this match. Like th- That's the problem. The problem was not this match. This match ruled. It's just like, it's such high stakes For the match you're building to, it's sort of like a, you know, again, going back to the old days. In the old days, you didn't get this type of match. Um, And, and like, sometimes it's a good thing. Uh, Sometimes it makes for a kind of boring week of Saturday evening television. But, like, man, you give away a match like this at the paper, or you don't give it away. You save this sort of thing for the pay per view. Like, this is a pay per view caliber match here.
2: Yeah. um, A night of.
1: Grizzly Young Veterans Returned. I was excited about. Oh man, I, I loved everything involving Ever-Rise, too. Uh the way like uh the one guy was trying to get back in to save the other guy and like they Oh, for the
2: love of God, put Malcolm Bivens with Ever-Rise already, please. Yeah, because these guys are ready to be to be your kind of gatekeeper heel tag team. Or just gatekeeper team. If 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 there's no good and evil, whatever, I'm fine with Ever-Rise kind of being I won't go so far as Midnight Express level, but they're, they're that kind of act where they need, I mean, they're good on the stick. If you watched, if you watched the WWE.com stuff,
1: they're entertaining, dude, they have personality. Great. Yeah.
2: Give them a manager and let them go. I mean, just, but I love, you know, the grizzle young vets are always welcome, (laughs) especially. Gibson's
1: (laughs) just such a great, like present promo. it's, some people just have a charisma that slices through the television Holds the room. Yeah. And no Gibson is what. that guy. And, like, Drake's a really good foil. They have a great look. Um, like, you know, we've moved away from the Drake as the weak link angle, I think, entirely here at this point with the reset. Um, Drake and Gibson are just very much on the same page right now. Uh, yeah, no, dude, like, this was cool. Uh, the
2: Undisputed Era promo was really good, I thought. Yep. Uh, the one that was off was the Rhea Ripley one.
1: Yes. Yes, it sure was. Um, I, I don't really love anything that's going into the women's war games. Oh, this right. thing is
2: ice cold, isn't it? Because everything yeah. is... All right, l- let me... <laughs> it seems like, and don't quote me on this. I didn't ask anybody about this. It seems like they wanted to get Indy Hartwell out of the match either because the stage was a little bit too big for her experience right now or she's going to interfere in some ways and they had to paint themselves out of that corner. And that's the the Tony Storm turn makes no sense to me, to be honest with you, because it's, it's just the... We, we've completely... <laughs> we've completely screwed up the debuts now going back to the last takeover yeah. of... Tony, and Ember Moon in so many ways, not the least of which is we beat Tony Storm against Candice LeRae at one point. It feels, you know, the the team having having, uh, Raquel and, um, why am I blanking on this? Dakota, who was the star of the last War Games. No, I know, but, but
1: Raquel has been so, like, I I like her and I think she like we're we're fans obviously but like whenever she's involved in an angle she is the focus of the angle at this she's point she's the foil yeah she's, she's, right yeah. she's
2: the lackey she's 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 the one who can be beat now which makes no sense
1: but she also gets the most like emphasis too at the same time like it, it, it she's such a presence that she's distracting from Dakota and she's distracting from Tony Storm and even the Indy Hartwell or the Candice Lerae component of this.
2: Yeah, there's no surprise to who the other two members of the Babyface team are going to be now, to me. And it's I a thought that a very finite interesting. universe. I mean, it, it's. I thought EO would probably come in at some point, which was fine the way they introduced her into it. But it's obvious now Rhea's going to be the fourth, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I thought no, there was it a. would chance... be very
1: funny is if Zia Lee's
2: storyline
1: interrupts oh, this and she beats Rhea Ripley because she has to get a win because of uh whatever. Uh, the, the dragon. She Master. interferes
2: in the ladder match on Wednesday, which I don't want to look. I think the ladder match last time knocked out Mia Yim. I don't know if those that was the exact plan, but
1: yeah. no, yeah, no, I am very anti ladder matches prior to takeovers, uh, which I, is sort of like it should be sort of an obvious non-controversial position, except that they keep happening.
2: But I thought there was a chance there might be a main roster surprise, a la the Kevin Owens. uh, reveal last year. I thought, I thought maybe since this run is about pleasing Sasha, maybe Sasha Banks in a War Games match would be interesting to me. Um, but no, it's going to be, you know, God knows if Rhea's ever getting called up <laughs> because it's like, well, we have to build up Bianca and we have to build up these other stars. We have to build up Lana so we can't have Rhea on the main roster just yet. Yeah, I just, there this this feud feels ice cold. It doesn't feel like It doesn't feel like there's enough heat to it, so I just wouldn't have done the war games right now. I would have waited. You can pull this out at any time when you have enough feuds going that feel like they deserve, they warrant a war game style submit or surrender Maybe that's just old school me and and you know uh, it's 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 winter. it's time for war games again, type yeah, no, like
1: the men's side of it as as we've discussed, totally feels justified. like there's just there's a lot of long standing beef with with Don in the undisputed era, and then obviously McAfee in the undisputed era, like it makes sense that they're a team. The women's division has just not been booked in a long form way where they are presently ready for a war game style of intensity. Um, and, and I, you can't hot shot it. Um, I, I, they might still have a good match, but I, you know, you, part of what makes the war game stuff so good is it's cathartic. And, uh, there is going to be no sense of catharsis here. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it'll just um, be a cage match with teams. Um, the Kevin Owens show with Leon Ruff was rough. Uh, I hated it. it was, it was I, I, awful. and i I'm,
2: I'm I'm not saying it's because of any of the participants. I just I didn't like the wink, wink nudge, nudge. Everybody knows what's going on type of thing. and then not only that, but you know it, it's it's the basic talk show trope. Everything the- was tropes.
1: It, like so, there were tropes, and then there was riffs about how we know this is all
2: tropes. How we know it's st- a trope. How we're yeah. still
1: doing it. So there was like a meta commentary about tropes while tropes were still being participated in, and then tropes were being participated in in a meta way. But Leon Ruff's character is so flat. And so, aw shucks, just happy to be here, believe in your dream, and your dream can succeed if you believe in it, because dreams fly when they take wings of a dove in the sky. Um, like, like the most kind of basic, platitudinal, empty They can't stuff. thread
2: the needle between confidence and low self-esteem to and be likable.
1: And then the other part of it then he also goes into cringy almost will someone be, please punch this kid in the face like over exuberance, where I'm on
2: the I'm on the Kevin Owen show. Oh I kicked Johnny
1: Gargano's ass. I did it last week and I'm going to do it again. Like and
2: come yeah, on. Yeah, we, we got all the weird baby face thing. We got delusional baby face. We have low self-esteem baby face. Uh, yeah, I, he was like
1: half Cameron Grimes. He was like, if Cameron Grimes is the baby face, where you're I like,
2: I wanted to see him go to the moon. To the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, you know, you gotta get your triple threat, and he's gonna get a banana peel win.
1: Yep, and, much and, like,
2: and, much like Bianca Belair got a banana peel win against Nanny, which, <laughs> uh, which you know, here's the here's why I get angry about this, and and no. If you give him a competent win, it does so much better than just the well. We need the loss to protect the guy that we're protecting. I I just I I like competency, and nobody ever gets it.
1: Yeah, and um, him, uh, him not winning incompetent ways, and like more importantly, being really excited about like fluky wins, it makes him a delusional babyface, and and an underdog is not delusional. An underdog is someone who is entirely realistic about the odds, yes. recognizes that they are overwhelming, and is brave because they are not operating and laboring under delusions. They go, I know it's going to be really hard, and the odds are that I'm going to lose, but I fight. That's what I do, and I I'm don't am overachieving
2: quit. right now, yeah, and it, I know it, I'm overachieving, but you know what? As long as I win you know what, let's keep this thing going. Yeah, that, that's the thing to me. It's like, you can't say after a roll-up win, I kicked Johnny Gargano's ass.
1: Yeah, yeah like, Johnny Gargano's a punk. They say he's a legend. I beat him twice. I'm great. Like, that is not a baby face. No. <laughs> that's what a heel does.
2: No, unless it's said in the knowing to his face way. Where you know you're trolling and you know you're being a jerk about it, which you don't want out of your baby face. Yeah, yeah and, and,
1: I, and with Ruff's character, it's way too early for any of that. I had mm-hmm. no... Like, last week, I liked the beat where he slapped Damien Priest in the face and was like, take me seriously. Like That was great. Um, yes. But, but everything after this has been like, oh shucks, or like, to the moon! And, and <laughs> I can't, like, stop. Just Just present him as a guy who has... A healthy sense of fear and an even greater want to achieve.
2: And the Tim Thatcher submission loss to Kashida. I, you look. Know, I like Kashida as a killer, and I, I'm here for Tim Thatcher versus uh,
1: Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa. I, I even like Ciampa, like trying to make. Thatcher does have a problem with Ciampa and I like Champa. going back to what we we're talking about with Roth. I like that Ciampa was basically like calling out Thatcher. like, yeah, you have a problem with me and I'm going to just, I'm going to make you not be able to ignore that.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I liked that. I just want, I wouldn't have had Thatcher tap out. I would have had him, you know, count out loss. Yes. something.
1: I would have had him get really frustrated with the match and like get himself counted out and then Or Ciampa... just leave.
2: He just leaves because he's tired of this, and this and, is and then unprofessional. he confronts
1: Champa. Champa yes. backstage confronts him and does because like the the implication here, and you're cause you're trying to get to the point of Champa thinks that Thatcher is weak, and so you can have Thatcher exhibit weakness in the ring any number of ways without having him lose, and you can one of which would be him powdering from the match,
2: but not about losing a a match clean. That's the weird thing is you can have him. You, you can have him be concerned about winning. I mean, it, it's...
1: No, this took him down a peg, and it took him down a peg at the thing that he's supposed to be really good yes. at. Like, yeah, That, you that, don't wanna, that you was don't the weirdest hurt, thing about it.
2: You don't want to undermine his strength in doing this. It, it's He's a smart, calculated guy. <laughs> So Thatcher's you do like the, the
1: perfect guy you'd pair with Kushida if you were trying to build Kushida to greater credibility because you'd be getting over... are.: I think
2: over, they are. I know, think they're I, trying. I
1: know, but like you're also cannibalizing Thatcher when yes. you... Yeah, yeah, that's my thing. When you're
2: trying to build a program with Choppa, so just don't put those two in the ring together. Or, you know, as opposed to the distraction loss or, you know, somebody's music plays and rolls up, have it be a smart thing. Have it, hey, look, he was getting the better of me. I didn't want to take a loss right now. I'm out of here. Don't be the weasel heel. Be the smart, cunning heel. You could have and that's Thatcher, what Thatcher just is.
1: get out of the ring and start yelling at, at Champa and just like basically act like he doesn't care about the match anymore because he's so annoyed by Ciampa. And like, it, 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 like when he gets count out, he just like sort of like waves it off. Like he doesn't even care. He's he's focused on on the sc- scrum with Ciampa here. Uh no, yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I I thought that this was kind of a baffling way of having uh Thatcher lose here.
2: I'll ask one silly question at the end of all this. Are we gonna see the woman under the hood in the Xyalee promos? Is that gonna be a reveal or no?
1: I think yes, and I also think that we're gonna see whoever the other person is in the Gargano SUV. Um, and I it, think that's
2: still Austin. Theory. I think
1: that yeah, no, I know. I called that was Austin theory a couple of months ago, and I think yeah, that, I yeah, think we,
2: yeah. yeah, we both had yeah. that, and we both had. There's always a second ghost mask. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Movies. That that's also true. There's always a second. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, Zaya
2: so, Lee, dare I say, maybe maybe we can make a set of Burra, Maybe I don't know. You know I know like, that's a weird thing to put all Asian women, even though they're not of the same.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially. especially but like everything about this angle is so weird. Um, to return a
2: Kyrie Singh.
1: <laughs> it would be very funny if it was like
2: That would kill me if it was Kyrie Singh.
1: <laughs> I this angle is just so strange. Um it's yeah, it's it's very it's, out of left field.
2: But it's dare I say it's applicable to the level that Xialee and Boa are at.
1: Oh yeah, no. Um I I mean
2: there is always this kind of goofiness in mid-card wrestling where you have these weird supernatural angles and, you know, you know from, from Bobby Heenan looking for the missing link in a cave to, you know, those, you know, Akeem the African Dream being, being the reveal of that from one man gang type of thing. It's at the appropriate level for this kind of stupidity. As long as this isn't on the main event level, I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, and hopefully it gets Zyla Lee some more confidence doing promos and yes. some of the other things that she's lacking for what WWE wants out of her because I think that there is uh, a lot I like Boa too. I think both these people have um in-ring talents that are really usable. Uh like Boa's got like a really interesting look and like I like all the kicking and striking and with a guy his height, it looks really good. Well, they're um,
2: doing they're doing matches that aren't their style. They're doing Yeah. Indie rific type of choreography when they should just be doing kick punch, beat a guy down and pin him. Yeah, no,
1: I, I just I want to see WWE be a space for work styles, you know, like you know, what we were talking about with Kyle O'Reilly, but like a guy like Arturo Huas, um, I just needs a little more they need a little more fluidity. And one thing that is kind of a positive in WWE in ring style this year is like with like Timothy Thatcher and even like Matt Riddle and other people, um the realm of of uh, the Overton window of what is acceptable in ring style in WWE has expanded a little bit more. Um, it's not, it's not as rote as it was, let's say seven or eight years ago.
2: I just thought, so then I'll end with this. Cause I think this is another possibility in the women's war games. I, do, I think we might get a, a, another possibility of one of these women, quote unquote, being injured or taken out beforehand. I think we might get a reintroduction of Mercedes Martinez.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, she would make sense as the fourth.
2: Yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind that at all. You know, you even can even do the respect thing with Rhea over their cage match beforehand and do it that way. That wouldn't be too bad. Um, but, yeah, we will see next week. It's going to be Shotzi Blackheart against Raquel Gonzalez, I believe, in a ladder match. Okay.
1: She, she might be <laughs> on the team, too, because uh, they love her. Um, they, at least for Ooh. all the promotional stuff.
2: Oh no, Shotzi's on on, on the team. It's oh yeah, Shotzi. that's right. Yeah, yeah. She
1: yeah might it's, be, it's well, Shotzi she might be on the... it too. You know. So there yeah. you go. Prediction, g- prediction confirmed.
2: But uh, that's gonna do it for us. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. No sponsors this week to thank, but we do thank our sponsors at all times. Uh, but we kept it for... real
1: this week, and, and let's thank. The listeners and, and the supporters yes. of Shake Them Ropes. It's a thankful week, Jeff.
2: It is. I, I do not. Uh, trust me. Anybody who listens to this at this point, I'm very happy you've stuck with
1: us. Except for Cody. Uh, you know, Except Cody, Cody, I could take her leave. Trisha. Yeah, yeah, I could take her leave her, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd we'd like especially to thank Cody. The, the cats in our audience, we'd like to thank them. Oh, the cats them. are
1: great. I love the yeah, cats. Sure.
2: But, uh, yes, thank you for uh, spending part of your holiday weekend with us. Uh, Chris is, uh, now on the smoke a cigarette. After the <laughs> portion of uh portion of politics for, uh, don't worry about the government. He'll tell you about it.
1: Yeah. We're cruising into the holiday break here. So like, uh, usually what happens in December is I, I get, uh, basically everyone who's associated with the show and we'll get them in and kind of do a year in check-in. So if you're interested in kind of the year in check-in conversations, you'll be able to hear those all throughout the month here, uh, of December, obviously a lot to talk about in each one of those. So it'll be, those will be fun. Um, Go and check this out at Don'tWorry.tv on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. There's a video version of the show that you can watch um, if you support the show over at Patreon.com slash DWATG.
0: That's fine. No, that's fine. That's fine